At this time, we're going to be looking at some scripture to prepare for the Lord's Supper to 1 Peter, and we're going to look at the second chapter, verses 22 through 24. The apostle wrote these words to, to servants who might have been doing a good job for their master, but they were being mistreated by their master. And he's describing uh, Jesus as the perfect example of someone who suffered unjustly. And then he tells why Jesus suffered. In order to capture the context, I'll read uh, 1 Peter 2, verses 18 through 25. Please follow along as I read. Servants, be submissive to your masters with all respect, not only to those who are good and gentle, but also to those who are unreasonable. For this finds favor if, for the sake of conscience toward God, a person bears up under sorrows and when suffering unjustly. For what credit is there if, when you sin and are harshly treated, you endure it with patience? But if, when you do what is right and suffer for it, you patiently endure it, this finds favor with God. For you have been called for this purpose, since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example for you to follow in his steps, who committed no sin, nor was any deceit found in his mouth. And while being reviled, he did not revile in return. While suffering, he uttered no threats." but kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously. And he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. For by his wounds you were healed, for you were continually straying like sheep, but now have returned to the shepherd and guardian of your souls. Peter tells us that we find favor with God, if when we do right and suffer for it, we endure it with patience. He says that we've been called for this purpose because Christ also suffered for us. He holds up Jesus as a supreme example for us to follow. And what an example he is. He had, he had committed no sin and there was no deceit in his mouth. He was completely undeserving of anything he suffered, yet he didn't retaliate, he didn't threaten, but he committed himself to his heavenly Father who judges righteously. But he was more than just an example. His undeserved suffering was for our sins. He was suffering what we deserve to suffer for our sins. He voluntarily laid down his life for our sins, he was our substitute as he suffered on the cross. His suffering was more than the nails. His suffering was more than the, the disrespect and the rejection that he experienced from his people. His greatest suffering was the alienation that he experienced from his father as he became sin for us. Being the God-man, he was able to endure the full wrath of God against the sins of all who would believe in him in the three hours that he hung upon the cross. This alienation is what we should have experienced for all eternity, and we would have had he not died for us. And it's the, it's the 
alienation that the lost, the people that have not come to trust Jesus Christ, will experience for all eternity. It was God's love for us that caused him to give over his son to death on a cross so that we might receive forgiveness of sins as we, when we trust in Jesus Christ. His death is the only way that God can and does justify and save sinners. At the atonement, a sinner, or at the moment a sinner trusts in Jesus Christ, he passes from death into life. This is the work of God in a soul of a sinner. The outcome of this new life in Christ is a change in our relationship to sin, to our sins. We have now become We've now been made to die to our sins. The word for die here is a different word than Paul uses in Romans 6 when he says that we have died to sin. <clears throat> he says that uh, this word is, is uh, also, uh, the word that Paul uses is also used for physical death as well as being dead to sin. But the word that uh, Peter uses has the idea of being moved away from or being removed from uh, Thayer describes it this way. He says that we have become utter, utterly alienated from our sins. Before our sins alienated us from God. And now we have become alienated through Christ to our sins. As the angel told Jesus, because he will name the, the baby that's going to be born to, you, to Mary Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Not only have we died to our sins, but we also have been made a lot to live unto righteousness. Before we met Christ, we could not do anything to please God. Afterwards, we are, by means of the Holy Spirit, able to live lives that are pleasing to him. This is all brought about by what Christ did for us on the cross. Peter sums up what he is, uh, has happened to us with a quote from Isaiah 53. He says, by his wounds you were healed. This verse is not talking about physical healing. God uh, does and he can heal physically. But this verse, both here and in Isaiah, is talking about healing from sin. It's not physical alien, uh, illness that alienates us from God. It's sin. Christ died for our sins on the cross. Peter explains that the, the change by comparing our former condition, that we were like straying sheep, to our present condition, we have returned to our, the shepherd and uh, guardian of our souls. He becomes our shepherd. He becomes our guardian as we Come to him. As we partake of the bread representing Jesus' body and, and of the cup representing Jesus' blood, let's partake with gratitude for what he has done for us. Let's uh, turn away from any sin for which he so unjustly suffered and draw near to our shepherd. And if you've not yet trusted Christ, and received his forgiveness, we ask that you refrain from participating because this ordinance is for those who are his to remember the one who died for them. But we do ask that you consider the and that's the death of his son, the only provision that there is for sin, and that's the death of his son. 
And we pray that you will come to trust in him. Men, come forward to service at this time. And after, <clears throat> after you've received the elements, when your heart is prepared, you may partake.